Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. I am picking up our series called Encountering God again today. Uh, today is part four. For the first two parts, we began to unpack and to explore the huge topic of God's love and how we personally encounter God's love. Uh, part three of this series was looking at the issue of faith, the topic of faith and how critical the exercise of faith is in regards to fully encountering God. Uh, today, I want to unpack something or attempt to unpack something that even this week as I was meeting with one of the young guys that I mentor uh, was a question that is so often asked and it's how do I know the will of God for my life it's a big question really big question how do I know God's will for my life how do I know the things that are before me are God's will how do I know to just Stay on that narrow road. Well, Jesus says these words in John 4 and 34. And he says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So Jesus says, My food, that the thing that sustains me, the thing that strengthens me, the thing that is just the air that I breathe, the, 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 the nourishment that I, I feed on. He said, it is just doing the will of the Father. Here are some other things that Jesus said, John 5 and 30. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. So there's a lesson for all of us. Jesus lived his life by the criteria of not what pleases me. He lived his whole life by the criteria, what is it that pleases the Father? And the things that please the Father, they're the things that I want to be found doing. Doing the will of the Father. He reinforces that in John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. John 8 and 29. The one who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. And again, Jesus is saying, I don't, I don't go through life just pleasing myself. It's not my will that I'm seeking to fulfill. I do only the things that please God. And friends, one of the greatest mysteries of the Christian life is coming to understand the will of the Father. How do I know the will of God for my life? As I often say on this topic... It's not rocket science. Everybody say, it's not rocket science. Okay. If you can tie those two things together, and that's the one lesson you've learned from today, it's a good lesson. The will of God is not rocket science. 
Many people, it seems today, are a little bit scared or reluctant to fully surrender to the will of God because they're scared God might spoil it for them. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but ponder this question. How many of us have actually not prayed about something in the course of our life because we think God might say no? There's a few giggles and a few heads bowed. Head down, no eye contact. We seem to sometimes hold the opinion that God's will for our life is going to be really hard work, not comfortable, displeasing, and God's just going to make me do a whole bunch of stuff that I really don't want to do. For example, if I said, uh, God, what job, what career path would you like me to take? And we somehow think that God in response to that question is going to say, okay, good question. Tell me, what is it you would least like to do? And I don't know about you, but I'd least like to be either a plumber or a podiatrist. (laughs) And we think that God in response to that question is going to say, what a coincidence. Because I want you to be a podiatrist. I've got to be careful because we've got more than one podiatrist in our church. And we've got a plumber in the building, at least one in the building this morning. So, But anyway, they're just two of my least favorite tasks. Or if we were to say to God, Father, who is it that you want me to marry? We're scared to ask that of God because maybe he'll want me to marry somebody that I don't really like. Friends, when we have that kind of fear in approaching God, it shows us we actually don't know God well enough. Listen to what Paul writes, Romans 12 and 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. I hope you grabbed that last sentence. God's will for your life is good. God's will for your life is pleasing. God's will for your life is perfect. Can I hear an amen this morning? And the way God directs us is somehow different to the way we imagine. Psalm 37 and 4 says this, Delight yourself in the Lord... And he will give you the desires of your heart. Now the prosperity preachers love this one. And they love misquoting it and misapplying it. Just delight yourself in God. He will give you whatever you want. That's not actually what that verse is saying. Doesn't mean that if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you just the wildest desires of your heart, health, wealth and fame. 
What it means that if you delight yourself in the Lord, the desires of your heart will actually be God-given desires. This is a huge clue in understanding the will of God. If we delight ourselves in the Lord, there is an inner transformation that takes place and the desires of my heart become the things not that please me, but become the things that please God. God will put the right desires in your heart. What's the caveat? That you delight in Him, that you follow Him. Heard the story of a young guy. He says to his pastor, I, I'm really not sure what God wants me to do with my life. And the pastor says to this young guy, oh, is there anything you want to do? He said, yeah, actually, I'd love to be a pilot. My dad's a pilot. And I've just, ever since I was a kid, always wanted to be a pilot. Well, why don't you become a pilot then? Because I don't know if it's what God wants me to do. Well, what does God want you to do? Well, I don't know. Well, how do you know that God doesn't want you to be a pilot? And he said, because I want to be a pilot. Well, maybe the reason you want to be a pilot is because God wants you to be a pilot. And that's why he's put that desire in your heart. And the guy said, yeah, but the one catch is I wanted to be a pilot before I was a Christian. Now, listen to this. God is interested in you long before you became a Christian. In fact, God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1 and 4, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were formed, before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So God set Jeremiah apart before he was formed in his mother's womb. Paul actually echoes that and he said, I was set apart from birth as an apostle. And friends, God does not become interested in you at the moment of your conversion. It's not, oh, he gave his life to Jesus, now he's got my attention. God is interested in you from the moment that you were conceived. And God at that moment of conception wires into you. His wonderful DNA, His thumbprint on your life. And the desires of our heart are often desires that God has placed there. And for this young guy, maybe the desire to be a pilot is because God wants you to be a pilot because God needs Christian pilots. Why not? Okay, God, well, how do I know who I should marry? Well, novel idea, you'll actually fall in love with it. It's not rocket science. Philippians 2 and 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Friends, he gives us the right desires. Never ever met anybody that said, this is my wife, married her because God told me to. Uh, actually can't stand her really. Don't like the way she looks. Can't stand the sound of her voice. 
We have absolutely nothing in common. We really don't want to spend too much time together. But out of sheer obedience, I married her. And friends, we should never, ever, ever be frightened about praying and saying, God, your will be done in my life. Shouldn't be frightened of that. His good, pleasing and perfect will. I think there's nothing easier than living according to the will of God. It should be that way anyway. Proverbs 3 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. There's a promise. He will direct your path. What's my end of the bargain? In all my ways, acknowledge him. Directing your path is one of the benefits to surrendering to the will of God. It is one of the roles that God promises to undertake as he takes up residence in our life as Saviour and Lord. He forgives you. He cleanses you. He gives you the gift of His Holy Spirit to empower you to live the life He wants you to live. And one of the things that God is committed to doing for you is to direct your path. In fact, I would go so far as to say this morning that if you're a Christian living totally in surrender to God, if you are living in a place where you know, I'm just surrendering my life to Jesus every day, Jesus Direct my path. I would suggest in that place of surrender to move out of the will of God is actually a really hard thing to do because it means you've got to deliberately disobey Him. A couple of weeks ago, I was ministering at an event in Brisbane, just up there for a couple of days. How did I know that it was the will of God for me to go to Brisbane to minister? at a significant event for a church. Uh, I didn't have to fast and pray about it. I thought, oh, what a great opportunity. My schedule allowed for it. There was no family commitments that it clashed with. So I said, why not? If it's wrong, God will show me. And he didn't, so I went. And it was great. It's not rocket science. Did I get any special revelation about it? No. And yet some people are getting so bound up trying to discern the will of God in every little thought and action. And I've got to think about it. I've got to fast about it. And I've got to pray about it. And I've got to do this. And I've got to do that. And I've got to put a fleece before the Lord. Uh, I won't go there. I do remember the story of reading in a book on prayer from Yongi Cho, who's now gone to be with the Lord, but pastor of the largest church in the world in South Korea. And he had an amazing revelation of God at one point in his life because he was like that. And he said, I used to pray about everything and every decision. I'd wait upon God and wait upon God and wait upon God. And one day I was getting ready for church and I said to God, should I wear the blue tie or the red tie? The blue tie or the red tie? And I was so caught up about, couldn't make the decision about what color tie I should wear. And he said, I clearly heard from God. And he said, I'm your father, not your mother. And it's a great revelation, but what a great point. 
It's not rocket science. Listen to Isaiah 30 and 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice from behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Most of us aren't content with a voice from behind saying, this is the way, walk in it. Most of us want God there in front of us going, okay, it's okay, I'm here. Look at me, look at me. Now put your left foot forward and come on, put your right foot forward. Come on, come on, you're doing good, you're doing good. You're doing good. And that's the kind of guidance we would like to get from God. And it's not the kind of guidance that he gives, nor is it the kind of guidance that his word promises. In fact, God can stay silent for years until you go wrong. And then you hear a voice from behind you saying, nope, this is the way. Walk in it. We actually see this in Paul's life in a really, really powerful way. So here's the Apostle Paul, the great trailblazer, the pioneer, the church planter, and he's setting out on his missionary journeys, sharing the gospel. The church is exploding into being. But it's really interesting as he sets off on his missionary journeys, we have very little detail about God guiding him. We've got very little detail about God specifically saying, well, you should go to this place and you should go to that place. Usually it was the authorities that threw them out of a town and they moved on to the next place. But in Acts chapter 16, on his second missionary journey, we read this. Verse 6, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to, so they passed by Mysia, went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. It's, a, it's an amazing picture. Here's Paul heading off on his second missionary journey. Going to preach the good news, you would think geography wouldn't matter. The world needs the gospel. Let's go to Asia. They need to hear the gospel. Holy Spirit said no. Well, let's go to Bithynia. They need the gospel. Absolutely. Let's go. Holy Spirit said no. Then he has this vision of a man from Macedonia and they concluded that the Holy Spirit was telling them to go. So here's the thing. The only time that God gave specific instruction to Paul on his missionary journeys was when he went wrong. And when he went wrong, God intervened. Let's go to Asia. No, let's go to Bithynia. No, Paul, you're all confused. Go to sleep. Here's a dream. Come to Macedonia. Friends, we can never, ever, ever be 100% sure about the will of God for our lives because if that were the case, it would not require faith. I reckon we can get about 70% sure about God's plan and purpose and then we've got to step out in faith and trust God as he promises he will to direct our steps. That we'll hear a voice from behind us correcting us where that's needed. 
where we will hear the Holy Spirit say, no. However, in saying that, let me also say this. 90% of the will of God for your life is actually contained in the pages of God's Word because it's the general will of God for every believer. And as we, as we commit and surrender and as we, as we just fall into line with the Word of God and love the Word of God and start living according to the Word of God, let me tell you, with that understanding and in that relationship and, and just feeding upon the Word of God, that other percentage that is our individual purpose and will, for God, will of God in our lives personally and individually, that will become so clear when we're living according to the other 90%. And His specific will for your life will be, I believe, easily discovered as you begin to live in harmony with His general will for your life. And as we learn to live in obedience to his general will, we can totally trust him because he's absolutely promised that he will, that he will guide us in discovering his personal will for our lives. And you can know that you know that you know you are in the will of God, not because you have circumstantial evidence that says, look at this, I'm in the will of God. And you go, oh, that's fantastic, I am. You can know Simply because God, as you surrender to him, has promised to direct your ways. As you acknowledge him in all that you do, he promises he will direct your path. You can have the confidence, friends, to wake up every morning and say, God, I trust you for whatever it is that you want to do in my life today. So how do I know I'm in the will of God? Well, here's a few questions. Number one, are you reading God's word? Number two, are you praying? And sometimes we can get so caught up trying to discern the will of God, we just confuse ourselves. And we've got to be careful not to actually over-spiritualize this issue. Some people, they, again, try to go in great extremes in discerning the will of God. Well, I've got to go downtown this morning. Uh, just not sure if I should walk down the left side of the road or the right side of the road because God might want me to walk down the left side of the road because there's somebody he wants me to meet and talk to. And, and so I've got to pray about this and I'll pray about it. And I'm pretty sure God's told me to walk down the left side of the road. So I walk down the left side of the road and I don't meet anybody. And I get to there and go, oh, I've grieved God. I didn't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, right? I should have walked down the right side of the road. And we're getting so hung up about issues that God doesn't want us to get hung up on. He wants us to live our lives for His glory. The Bible, listen to this, never instructs me to ask God to guide me. That's a big concept. The Bible never instructs me to ask God to guide me. The Bible gives me a very, very clear understanding that I should assume God will guide me. In the same way, I don't ask God to take me to heaven when I die. 
I have to wake up every morning and say, oh, God, today, please, 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 Jesus, would you take me to heaven when I die? I don't need to do that uh, because, forgive the crassness, but, but it's a done deal. That was signed, sealed and delivered when I gave my life to Jesus. So I live every moment of every day with the assurance of eternal life. I don't have to pray for eternal life every single day when I wake up. I can assume it. Because the Holy Spirit is in me and the Holy Spirit guarantees my eternal future. So I don't have to pray, dear Jesus, please forgive me and take me to heaven when I die. Because his salvation, again, excuse the crassness, is part of the package. His salvation is part of the package and so is his guidance. If, and that's a big word, if, if every day... Your attitude is one of surrender and trust and obedience. Now, let me say this really, really clearly. Kerry and I, we've been in ministry for 33 years. Over that period of time, there has been many occasions where we have had to stop and really seek God. In times of major decision, we have fasted and we've prayed and we've sought the counsel of others and we've waited for a direct revelation from God. There have been times when we've said, God, we're not moving forward in this until we hear directly from you. But can I say those are the exceptions, not the general principle. Friends, God works in us as a result of our trust in Him. We say, God, you are my life. God, you are my strength, you are my power, you are my, my resources. And people sometimes struggle going, I just don't know what's me and I don't know what's God. Well, if I could take some of the pressure off, maybe it's both. Maybe it's both. The will of God is both. God's placed those desires in your heart. You shouldn't need to wrestle with them, just surrender them to God. God has a part to play in this and we have a part to play in this as well. Because living the Christian life in obedience is not about us sitting back and doing nothing, just waiting on God to do everything. Empowering us is God's end of the equation. Obedience is our end of the equation. God will empower us according to His will to live the life He's called us to live as we live in obedience to Him. whole bunch of us in the room, we've got cars outside in the car park. Under the bonnet in your car is an engine. And without that engine, the car really is not going to go anywhere. But in addition to that, it actually needs somebody to get into the car Sit behind the wheel, turn on the ignition, put it into gear, put your foot on the accelerator and drive down the road. What's making the car go? Is it you or is it the engine in the car? Silly question. It's both. And it's true that without the engine, the car can do nothing. The engine is the life. The engine is the power. The engine is the strength of the car. But the car needs somebody behind the wheel with the discipline of starting the car, putting it into gear and steering it down the road. And Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. But we don't sit back. We've actually got to learn to drive, to borrow the analogy. I'm going to ask the team to come back.
Friends, this morning, and I say this often, but dependence on God and obedience to God are like two wings on an aeroplane. Which wing on an aeroplane is more important? The two go hand in hand. Total dependence on God and total obedience to God. We trust who God is and we do what God says. And as we step out in obedience to God and we say, God, you have the right to govern my life. And as I just get on with my life, I trust as I live my life in surrender to you that you will direct my steps. You will direct my path. You will direct my life. And God, I just want my eyes to be open to whatever it is you want me to be doing. And so I do that in a spirit of dependency upon God. I realize apart from you, I can do nothing. Apart from you, I'm bankrupt. But I thank you that you're alive in me and I trust you and I obey you. And again, friends, it's not rocket science. I hope for some of us, this has been a bit of a revelation. To take a little bit of pressure off. Let's just live our lives for the glory of God and trust that He will direct our steps. Yes, there's going to be times God says, oh, no, 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 don't go that way. But I'd rather get a no from, a God, from God than a, what are you doing from God? Because I'm sitting there doing nothing. And so I encourage you, friends, let us hold God true to His Word. His promise is that He'll direct your path. We've just got to learn to live in obedience and in surrender to Him. So His promises are our reality. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank You for Your Word. And I pray that the seed of this Word would grow in our hearts, Lord, uh, because this is such a huge, huge topic. Understanding the will of God. But Father, I, I just pray, Lord God, that we would be people who, who are attuned to your voice. God is guiding us, that God is directing us, that God goes before us, that God promises to direct our steps. And that takes a lot of the guesswork out of it, it takes a lot of the agonizing out of it. God, I'm just going to move forward trusting you're directing my steps and trusting if it's not quite the right direction I'm going to hear that voice from behind saying no no this is the way walk in it Father I pray that we would know that still small voice of your Holy Spirit that occasionally brings those coarse corrections but I pray that we would be a people truly living by faith daring to dream big dreams Daring to, to, to go on bold adventures for Your glory. Daring to step out of the boat and trust You. Daring to engage. It's not about us, it's about You. Thank You for Your good, pleasing and perfect will. May we never be frightened of that. But may we live passionately pursuing that in that position of surrender. Knowing that You guide us and direct us for Your glory. Help us to live 
as bold men and women of faith. Thank you for your promises. Make it real for us. In Jesus' name, amen.